0: What's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So, today we're going to talk about something real estate investing related. This is obviously a common thing that we talk about on this channel, but we're going to talk about more business to business type of stuff. So, a lot of you guys just getting started, you're either getting your first deal or you're looking to get your first deal. And if you've done your first deal already, you're going to get to a point in your business where you need to uh, treat your business as a business. A lot of people uh, tend to forget that you know, we pay ourselves. It's not like we're working a nine to five job. So we have to organize things in, in a way that will allow us to stay in business for a long time. So when you're organizing things, you you want to operate as a real business, but in addition to that, you have to surround yourself with the right people in order to continue to grow as well. And this is exactly what our special guest he specializes in. I've known this guy for over five years at this point. Uh, we were uh, within the same circles. We're still within the same circles, and um, he's absolutely crushing it in everything that he's doing it uh, that he's doing right now. So I wanted to bring him on because he's going to provide a lot of value for you guys today and understanding how to operate your business like a business. And in addition to that, like we said, surrounding yourself with the right people, which is obviously uh, a major thing when it comes to growing as a real estate investor. Mike Hambright, what's up, my man?
1: What's up, buddy? So, so good to see you.
0: Oh, likewise, man. Listen, uh, for those of you who don't know Mike, I'm going to have him tell him a little bit about yourself. bro. Why don't, why don't we start there?
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. If you've been around for a while, you'll kind of get this. And if you're new, this is what's to come for you is, uh, you start off with one thing and it evolves over time into something else. Right. And so, um, and, and this is, this is just like the path of life. It it wasn't necessarily, I didn't look out. So I've been an investor since 2008. So it's not like I looked out and said, Hey, over the next 15 years, here's where I want to get to. I just Mm -hmm. pivoted and moved along the way into more things that I like to do and less of the things I don't like to do. And and things that kind of made business sense or whatever and kind of found my way, right? So, but uh, yeah, started so you start, as, Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, you started off in 2008. Did you start as a fix and flipper, a rehabber? Um, did you start off as a wholesaler? Like, yeah, so how did, a little bit did of everything, understand?
1: right? I mean, definitely a single mm-hmm. family investor. We were probably like... It's interesting when I started, I didn't, really, I didn't really know what wholesaling was. I just knew I wanted to fix up houses and sell them and make money. But I very quickly you know, came to respect wholesaling as a way to get in and out of deals and generate cash that I could use to fund my, my business, right? Because when I started, I started right away with paid advertising, which is uh, which is what I believe in, like how you really scale. Basically, I in our, our first calendar year of real estate investing, in my very first year with no prior experience, I think my wife and I flipped about 70 houses uh, and we were off to the races. Now, 2008 was a different time and because of our personal circumstances of coming out of corporate America and had a, my son, that was just born, newborn baby, like we had to swing for the fences and we did. And 2008 was the time where most people were running out of real estate and we were running in, mm-hmm. running into that burning building, you know, but it wasn't that bad in Dallas. And we, the timing was really good to start, but we didn't plan it. It was just coincidence that it worked out really well for us. And, and um, so we were probably at that time generally doing about 60, 70% rehabbing. And, you know, 30 to 40% wholesaling is kind of how we started.
0: Mm-hmm. Got you. So was it an easy transition going from corporate America into real estate investing and starting your own business?
1: No, not at all. No. <laughs> you know, the stuff isn't easy. <laughs> but I will say, you know, there's a lot of great lessons learned. And I didn't appreciate them until I got in the business for a few years. But, mm-hmm. you know, the types of companies that I worked for in the past or several of them were they were huge, multi-billion-dollar companies that you would know the name of if I, if I told you, you know. And so I think the biggest, probably the biggest hurdle to overcome is where I came from, there were tons of resources available, right? Like if you needed to hire somebody, you go to HR. And uh, if you needed a new computer, you call the IT department or whatever to like two of us in an office, my wife and I, and we have to do everything, right? And so uh, just trying to trying to figure that out. But I, I did, I do think we, we learned real early on, that none of that other stuff matters unless you're talking to sellers. Like we need leads and we need to be talking to people right now. And the rest of it will come together as long as we're generating leads. So we kind of came out, you know, right out of the gate, spending money on, on lead gen and, uh, and getting in front of sellers because that's where the magic happens. Right.
0: And honestly, uh, that market is a lot like the market that we're heading into right now, man. So if you're listening to this, this is the perfect time to be uh, listening to this episode because, you know, Mike started uh, again. He did seventy deals his first year, and obviously, no two two market cycles are alike. But it's going to be very similar as we go into a buyer's market. Would you agree with that?
1: I do agree with that, and I think uh, you know there's a lot of people that have been a little bit worried lately, and, and because they haven't been through before, and I can tell you that probably over the last five years, I've been waiting for this time to come. Like more than yep. anything, I'm like I'm looking for a down market because things have gotten to a point to where I didn't really understand them. It's not where I've been before it like, cause I didn't start in two, if I started in 2005 or six and I saw this point where retail prices are overheated and values are going up at an unreasonable amount, or it seems to be, you know, I hadn't lived through that before. I'd only really been in mm-hmm. a market where I started in a down market and I think down markets, and I don't think there's going to be a crash. I don't think this is the same as last time. No. And, and it's very no. market specific, right? But I do think that there's a little bit of a bubble that's going to burst. And I think that, um, down markets or downward kind of leaning markets are the best times for real estate investors to make money.
0: Absolutely, man. And I totally agree with that as well. Don't, you know, I've been saying, saying it for several months. I don't think it's going to crash. Uh, I think there might be a small, cor- uh, well, not a small, but a correction within itself. Yeah. But I don't think the, I think the market is still going to remain healthy. You know, a lot of people don't. Yeah they're not seeing it that way but that's what i well, think you know at so, the end of
1: the day like our business the reason our business models make sense is because there's distress in the world right like we buy yep. houses from people idea. that are in difficult situations and when there's a down market people have more difficult situations like more financial problems and you you realize yep. that the average Amer, like something like 70 percent of americans have less than a thousand dollars in their bank account right i mean it doesn't take much losing a job somebody's sick or whatever to put you in a in a significant financial distress And then that financial distress causes other things, divorce, you know, tearing up rental properties, whatever. Like, I don't want any of those things to happen to people, but this is the real world and people have problems. And if we can be there to help them solve that problem, then, um, you know, unfortunately people have more problems in a down market. And again, we don't wish that on anybody, but it's just the real world, you know?
0: Yeah. And and we're problem solvers. That's what we do, man. That's what we do for a living, right? Absolutely. So what type of mindset shift did it, did, did it take to go from corporate America to starting your own business?
1: You know, some of it is just belief in yourself, right? That you can do yeah. it. And, and for me, and, and, and my situation was a little bit unique and I'll kind of step back is I worked at a, for a very large company. Uh, I really honestly really liked my job and I just got fired out of the blue one day. And it was simply because my boss got fired and I was associated with him. And so, you know, it wasn't really because of me, it was just through association. And, you know, in corporate America, there's a lot of office politics and stuff like that, and, and things happen. And then I went to work for another company that was flying high, and we were doing really well. I was only there for 18 months, and then the company filed for bankruptcy. And, and mm. again, we were flying high. Revenue was great, but the profits, you know, apparently weren't. Uh, mm. And uh, and then I left on my own, but the writing was on the wall that that opportunity was really over, right? And, and then at that time, my son, when I, when I left that job, my son was two months old and it was our first child and my wife had just left her job. So we went from two people with pretty good incomes to no income and a baby, you know, and we're, yeah. and it just, just kind of hit me that I need to take control of this situation. And I don't feel real comfortable going back into corporate America where this could easily happen again. Cause it's just happened to me twice in a couple of years, you know? And so, man, that's um, right, and you know, I've been podcasting for nine years. You, you, you've been around for a long time. You always meet these people that when they got backed in a corner is when they kind of performed, right? When they finally, mm-hmm. when they finally hit the ground running and, and I didn't, you know, I know people that had it way worse than I did. Like they had a serious health issue or were living in their car or whatever. That wasn't my situation for sure, but it was a distressful time for me. And I just, I couldn't, I like failure wasn't an option. And so Mm. I think, and I've coached a lot of people, you've coached a lot of people. I think one of the challenges that a lot of people have that have a paycheck still that are kind of comfortable is they say they want to be in real estate, but they're not uncomfortable enough yet to burn the boats, right? And so I never tell people to burn the boats because I don't really want to be responsible for that. Yeah, exactly. But I can tell you that of all the people that I've known or coached, those that are willing to burn the boats and not let failure be an option for them and jump into real estate have seen the highest levels of success.
0: Oh, that's, that's by far the truth, man. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, man. When when we say, you know, you know I, I'm notorious for telling people not to leave their job until they have a year's worth of income saved up. Yeah. In reality, like you said, the people who burn the boats are the ones who succeed the most. I was one of the guys who I've never actually had a job. This was all I had. So I had to make it work. Yeah. And, you know, this was back in 2002, uh, right after 9-11. I needed to, you know, this, I had absolutely, I could have went to college or, um, I could have done this and I chose to do this and I made it work, you know? So, you know, there comes to, comes a point where you're going to have to make this stuff work versus hoping for it to work. And obviously there's going to be obstacles and things like that along the way. But as long as you stay in the game, there's no way you can fail. You know, uh, the, the person who quits, that's the person who fails at the end of the day. For sure. You know? for sure. So, what type yeah. of obstacles did you, did you, did you face?
1: Yeah. I mean, everything, right. It's just like making it work. And I think for us, uh, is even though we, um, we did a lot of deals in our first year. Right. And, but it very mm-hmm. much was still a job. Like we were still working hard. I was checking on every rehab. We were just, you know, I think a lot of real mm-hmm. estate investors fall in that trap. Cause you start lean and mean without a lot of resources and part of the way you're able to be successful is you try to keep your overhead low. Like we spent money on lead gen, but we live. We were in a dumpy little office. We had a little little pitty office that was kind of a kind of a hole in the wall. Uh, but we stayed mm-hmm. lean and mean. And part of the way we stayed lean and mean was just by trying to do all the work. Like we've always been really hard workers, and so it wouldn't be uncommon for us to work 60, 60 plus hours, whatever it took to get it done for a long time. But then it got to a point to where. And I remember this, I was, um, cause I, I started to bring on some coaching students and do some other things too. And I would always ask people like, what are your goals? And then somebody said to me, um, that I want to be like you. Mm. And then I remember a few minutes late, like a little bit later, I was in the car with my wife and we were sitting at a stoplight and I was just like stressed out. Cause we were like, I was like, at that point I didn't want to be me. Right. So why does somebody else want to be mm. me? But outward facing, of course, social media, like the time, social media wasn't as big, right? But at the time, people just see the success side, but they don't realize how hard it took to get there. And I remember asking my wife, I just remember my hands on the steering wheel, and I was like, is this what success feels like? Because I didn't feel Mm -hmm. that, right? And it was just this realization of like, we're working way too hard. Like, we're, we're making more money than ever before, but not living the life that many of us get in this in the first place for, right? And you and I talked about this before we started recording today, like it gets to a point to where sometimes you just get, people get addicted to the hustle or the grind or whatever, and that might be a season you have to go through, but the grind should not be the goal, right? That's right, man. Um, And so for me, it was just this wake up call around that time of if we want to, we need to treat this like a business. And on some levels, that means you have to scale, like you have to scale Mm -hmm. up because now you, if you bring on more overhead, bring on people Uh, whatever, like you might need to be bigger than you are now because you need the overhead to be able to cover those costs. That's
0: right. You know, I had the same epiphany, man. Um, probably around the time my mom passed, you know, about a little over five years ago at this point, you know, I'm like, you know, I've been hustling up until that point, you know, I was in, I started the business in 2002. Um, I started operating, I didn't hire my first person until like 10 years later you know, and I'm hustling and then I'm still building the business, you know, we're, you know, almost 15 years in, it wasn't until that point where I said, okay, I I need to create time and freedom. My family is growing, you know, and if you watch my channel at all, I talk a lot about time and freedom. You know, the only way for me to build time and freedom was to get passive income streams and be able to scale my business to a level where, you know, I I can literally walk away from it and it's going to continue to make money. Right. So, you know, I, I talk a lot about, uh, uh, passive income investing. I talk a lot about, uh, investing wisely generational wealth type of stuff, but also business building. So why don't we provide our listeners with some steps that they can start if they've just started, or if they're um, looking to take their business to another level, like what, what are, let's say three to five steps that you would implement or that you've implemented in order to be able to say, okay, this is a real business versus, uh, self-employed, you know, high, high paying, self-employed right. job.
1: Yeah, I think, so a couple things are, one is just, to really understand what, what are your goals? Cause I think a lot of us get caught up in the, just like, well, my goal is just more. I just want to do better this year than I did last year. I want to do better next month than I did last month. And that's hard to reverse engineer. Like you can't just say more, mm-hmm. like it has to be specific, right? So you got to get specific with your goals on. And it's not even the number of deals you do a month. As you know, like you can't put deal units in the bank. Like it's like, how much money do you want to make uh, a year? How much do I need to make in a year? And it's like, okay, well, in my market, based on what my margins are for wholesaling or for rehabbing or what, whatever your exit strategies are, like how many deals will I need to do to make that much money just based on my previous experience? And then how many leads do I need to get to get that many deals? You can kind of just back into like, in order to get that many leads, yep. how much money do I have to spend? Or how am I going to, how am I going to generate those leads? And you just kind of back into it, right? And okay, now to hit that much money to, for my goal, like I have to you know, again, I have to get this many deals. These have to be my exit strategies. I have to get this many leads. I have to spend this much on marketing. It's like, okay, well, how many people is it going to take to answer the phones or to run appointments as an acquisitions manager? How am I going to manage my rehabs if I have to do that? And you just start to build this team that you'll need to support your goals. And then consider that to hit that amount of money and layer in a team, now I've got some additional expense. So am I still really happy with, you know, you, you, you want to look at what you're going to net, right? Not how much your revenue is because it's not right. what you make. It's what you keep. Right. And so, um, and the goal isn't to just say, I'll just do it all because as we just talked about, that's, that's nobody's goal. It's like, Hey, if I have to layer in $15,000 a month in additional overhead, then I have to make more than that for it to be worth all the effort. Right. So some of it is just kind of mm-hmm. really getting clear on what your goals are and then building out an organization, Um, and a a real, you know, analysis of the cost of Legion and everything that'll take you to get there. Um, and so that's a, that's a big part of it is number one. I think two is getting in the rooms with the right people, surrounding yourself with people that are doing what you want to do. And there were a time, there were times where I was always, at least in my market here, like I was always the biggest guy in the room or one of the bigger guys in the room. And I was doing a lot of coaching and stuff and it brushed, you know, it kind of brushed my ego a little bit, made me feel good that I was the big dog. But it wasn't helping me stretch. It wasn't helping me want to take it to the next level. I was helping a lot of people. Um, but uh, for me, it wasn't helping me get to the next level, right? Because I wasn't around people like me or people ahead of me that could help me understand the opportunity if I just stretched more, right? So, uh, And honestly, that was kind of the beginning of – that was. those are some of the early – so I joined some different networking groups, masterminds, things like that. And then got to Mm -hmm. a point to where I was like, I have this huge uh, network of amazing people. You know, that's how I started my mastermind investor fuel was just saying, I've got all these people, like, how do I get around them more? And it's like, let me create a place for us all to come together, which was a mastermind that I have. Um, But, uh, and now I'm in tons of groups, you and I are in groups together, right? And we, we just try to surround ourselves with people that are doing bigger things than us, uh, because it forces you to level up and say, wow, like he or she is doing that like i could i could do that right not that you always have to compete and one up each yeah. other but it makes you realize like what's possible just by seeing what other people have accomplished right
0: that's right that's right man yep. and like you said you have investor fuel you also have a, a, you're still doing a flip nerd podcast
1: i do uh, i do yeah flip nerd's been around we're actually coming up on our 9 year anniversary of the podcast and uh, right. over it's, 1500 episodes crazy How many? yeah and, over 1500 episodes because uh, I've had different podcasts over like we've had you know short form ones long form ones I do mm-hmm. a live version now I brought on a friend of mine um that hosts my main flip nerd podcast we've got other hosts now and so yeah that's that's uh that's changed over the years as well
0: I um I I just crossed over, I'm a little over a hundred at this point, man. So 1,500, yeah. I, I got a long way to go. <laughs> you just helped me, help me level it's not up a my thoughts, man. It's not a competition. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, congratulations. It takes a lot of work to do that, man. Uh, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of people don't realize how much work goes into creating content, uh, yeah, which is a whole sure. nother business model within itself, man. But sure, if yeah. you're looking to provide value, this is definitely the way to go, in my yep. opinion, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I so think you just got- leveling up with your goals and really kind of creating a realistic plan of what it is you want to accomplish, right? We do that in a lot mm-hmm. of areas of our life. Like, you know, you go to the grocery store and you got a list of what you want to happen and you're buying groceries based on what you're going to cook for your family over the next week, right? But in mm-hmm. our business, we're often just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and just trying to do mm-hmm. more. And I think if you really lay out a detailed plan of where you want to be, I mean, honestly, when we do goal planning, if you follow a model like Empire or EOS or any of those, like you're often... Creating like five-year plans and then a two or three-year plan, one-year plan. What do I need to do in the next quarter to be on track for my one-year plan? And just kind of really thinking long-term, and backing into uh, what you need to do ultimately. What do I need to do today to hit my one-week goal, to hit my one-month goal, to hit my 90-day goal, to hit my year goal? Right, it all—they're all just stepping stones to to the future.
0: That's how you scale into it. So, did you follow the EOS uh, model like Traction? Or something like Yeah, that.
1: early on we used uh, Traction and we've kind of evolved to using uh, a system uh, called Empire now, which is uh, a little bit more got the robust. Book right than there. I'm us. looking
0: at it, Traction. <laughs> yeah,
1: yep, yep, yep.
0: So, so you started off with Traction and then what was the second book you said?
1: Uh, so we use a system called Empire that was created by Empire. a couple of friends of mine that uh, is kind of an evolution of like the next level. It really kind of. Um, it's a little more robust in terms of taking your business from a startup all the way through ultimately selling your business. And so uh, it. it's a little more of a complete model.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I like to look into that. Is, it, I'm, do they have like um, a book on Amazon? Is it on Audible or anything like that?
1: No books. I just happen to know the guys that created it. But Got it's a similar it. model where they have some co- consultations that come out. They come out for two or three days and help you kind of plan. Uh, plan your future, put the right resources in place, plan out your organization, what it needs to look like, and uh, things like that.
0: Got it. So just to recap the the, the process, you, you basically want to know your goal and, and know what the end goal is and kind of create the systems and processes that you need uh, backtracking off of that goal right. uh, in order to be able to get to the goal. So you're going to yep. create uh, all the way down to the day, you know, what what do I need to do today in order to Be able to hit the small goal leading up to the larger goal and um, that's pretty much how any and everyone grows there that's how i did it yeah you know that's how And really as a business owner
1: creating those tasks and goals for your team right so you can start to offload some of that stuff so that yeah you're not doing everything and it's and it's a systematic approach to knowing what their milestones are and being able to track their kpis like are they doing the activities that'll help you get to your goal because if your plan is to do it all – like there, there is a case for staying small and keeping it all, right? If you wanted to do a mm-hmm. couple of deals a month and you don't want to grow past that and you're cool with that – and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, if that's your goal. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if your goal is to be less involved in the business and scale it up, you, you just – you have to have a team. You can't you can't Yeah,
0: you have to. 100%. I agree with that. Quick yep. question. So obviously along the way, as you're training people, sometimes they're not going to hit their goals, which will – you know, obviously stop you from reaching the end goal or it'll take longer to, to get there. What do you, how do you make adjustments in that case?
1: If people on your team are not hitting their goals.
0: Yeah. Let's say it's a daily goal. Say you needed them to call, I don't know, 200 people, um, yeah, and speak to 10. Right. Um, what if they're not hitting their goals? Do goals you,
1: yeah, I mean those are those are opportunities to to kind of coach or mentor them to get mm-hmm. them to level up. And if they can't, then yep. then they don't get to Replace. keep the job, right? I mean, ultimately, those are requirements yeah. that go into the job. Of this is the requirement is you need to call X people a day and be able to have this many conversations and buy this many deals. And that's ultimately, you know, what the job is. Then if they can't yep. cut it, then they're not the right person, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly, man. And obviously, this is something that you know you discuss. You, I know you have uh, the Investor Fuel Mastermind. Uh, is this more for? Um, is this more for uh, advanced real estate investors? Yeah, people more who professional are
1: investors. We have th- we have three mm-hmm. groups: two single family groups, and then we have a, a multi family group for because I'm mostly doing multi family syndications now, hundred unit plus, like large apartment communities, but. Uh, mm-hmm. our single family groups are, uh, there's two groups. The gold group is for people doing 10 to 50 deals a year. And our platinum group is for those doing 50 and above. And we've got some guys in the group that are doing, you know, 800 deals a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, only that's kind insane. of what i will well, call like the professional real estate investor, right? Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: 800 deals a year.
1: Yeah. It's not that crazy. That's a lot of deals, man. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yeah.
0: That's, that's operating a business at its highest, you know,
1: yeah, and they have a one, hundred you know, employees. I it mean, is, it's a big it's a big operation. You know, yeah, most people are not yeah. to that level, and and not, not everybody wants to even be at that level, right? Mm-hmm. Comes it definitely I'm comes not, to the whole. I'm start not the problems. guy to want to be at that level myself. Neither.
0: You know, at one point we were making two offers a day. Um, I even scaled back from that. I just don't wanna. I don't wanna operate at that level anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm time and freedom, man. That's kind of what I go for. Yeah. That's it. Well, you've got
1: a you've yeah. got a huge family. Ever growing yep. family there, so you got other priorities, right?
0: Yeah, that's right, man. I'm, I'm yeah. done, actually, man. I'm finished. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to enjoy this time with them, man. But, uh, quick question for you, man. So, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Like, where should they go on social or, you know, any sites or anything that we, yeah, the like best the thing is,
1: is just connect with me, probably on Facebook is probably the best. You can, fo- I think, my friend count is maxed out, but you can just click follow. I, we put a lot of content out, I have a small team. Now, about four or five people where we're really kind of ramping up what we do with content. Um, so, Facebook is probably the best. I'm on Instagram uh, as well. And those are the best places to find me. Or you can go oh, to yeah, flipnerd.com, is where my podcast is flipnerd.com. And if anybody wants to learn more about investor fuel, they can go to investorfuel.com and learn more about our mastermind.
0: I'm going to make sure I link all of that in the description box for you guys watching this. I, I highly recommend listening to the podcast, Flip Nerd. Um, And if you're an experienced investor and you want to start surrounding yourself with like-minded people or people that's doing better than you, um, I think masterminding is the way to go. And uh, Mike has one of the best masterminds out there. So definitely check him out uh, in that regard as well. Um, What books are you you reading? I know we mentioned Traction. Uh, I know you were following an empire system, but uh, yeah. Any any other books that you would recommend when it comes to scaling or surrounding yourself with the right people?
1: Probably the best the best book I've read this year uh, is called "Who Not How," and uh, back to the heard, scaling. I,
0: you know, it's funny. I recently heard about that book, man. Yeah. Who not how? And um, I haven't checked it out myself, but I, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, you know, it's a is a reminder for me to uh, pick it up because I, I need to I need to go through that book.
1: Yeah, helps you just realize the like. You know, that you don't have to solve all your problems. You just have to find somebody else that can solve them for you, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, when you run a business, we talked about bringing on team members that can do those things. But I think, especially for entrepreneurs that try to stay lean and mean and try to do everything themselves, the reality is, is you're, you're probably doing yourself a disservice, your family a disservice, because you're trying to do everything and, and your business for sure. Um, When Mm -hmm. you're trying to do things that, you know, one to stay maybe cheap or lean and mean, but two you're just not good at all those things. So why are you even trying mm-hmm. to do that in the first place? Like, I don't know if you've ever hired somebody I've hired people before that, like, I hate doing this. And it takes me like 10 hours to do it. And then they can do it in like 30 <laughs> minutes though. Cause then they love it. Right. It's like, okay, yeah. I need to offload more of those things that I'm not good at. I don't like doing. Um, That's right. And I think we all, we all have those things. Right.
0: Absolutely, man. Uh, I know I, I for sure have those things I procrastinate on. Um, but when I outsource it, it, it gets done. And, all I have to do, I'm, I'm great at monitoring and, and pointing fingers, but I, you know, for specific tasks, I man, I just, I dread it, man. So I just outsource it. So I, I get it, man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> hey man. So obviously I'm going to link all your, uh, uh, links in the description box. Um, I'm going to link the books that you recommended as well. Uh, specifically traction, cause that's one of my favorite books when it comes to, uh, organizing and building a real business no matter what level of business you want to be on i think traction is the book um you can outsource everything and literally walk away from your business and operate it like a real business so i'm going to link that for you guys in the description box if you're watching this on youtube make sure you check it if you're listening to this on a podcast make sure you check it out uh in the uh, description details as well mike if you had to provide our listeners with some last words of advice what would those words be
1: Look at the end of the day. I think um, the problem with a lot of people in America is TV makes everything look easy, right? You only social media makes everything look easy, right? But none of this stuff, if you want it bad enough, it's not easy. Just be willing to get knocked down and get up again, and keep fighting the good fight and keep fighting for freedom, right? Because guys like us have made it work, and it's harder than probably we've made it look, you know. But we don't really talk about the bad times as much, and not to hide it, it's right. just because we don't want to relive those moments maybe. Right. But, uh, this business can be a great business for you. I'd say any business can be a good business for you if you, if you really want it bad enough. So the key is just want it bad enough. And you can't pop a pill and lose 50 pounds. You got to do the work. Right. And it's the same in business. You can't just set up an LLC or an S corp and be a millionaire. Like you got to go do the work, but don't be afraid of doing the work. It's just a matter of getting started
0: could of have said it better myself, man. Love that. Uh, now, in addition to that, you know, you, you mentioned something that was really, really um, important. Don't compete with other people, right? You're competing with yourself. So, uh, you know, social media is a big thing these days where people look at what other people are doing and they say, I want that. But want to be yourself, right? Do this because uh, you want to do it for, for your own personal reasons. And if, as long as you work hard, like Mike said, and you stay the course, you can achieve anything you want, but make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. So I hope you guys benefited from this podcast today. Let me know if you want to have Mike back, uh, to go into more specifics on, uh, maybe a different topic. Mike is a well rounded real estate investor. He does a lot of different things. I would love to have him back. Let me know in the comment section what you want Mike to talk about next time and uh, we'll have them back to discuss those things with you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Peace.